welcome to Laborers in the Harvest podcast with your host, Kevin Folger. This podcast is a conversation between Kevin and his guests, men and women that have surrendered their lives to Christ and are serving him faithfully in the work of the gospel. Now here is Kevin with this episode of Laborers in the Harvest. Kevin Folger, and this is Labors of the Harvest podcast. I want to thank you for joining us again today for another conversation that I'm having with someone who is involved in the Lord's harvest field. And it's a great joy for me to um, actually record this in the Philippines. And most of you know that uh, part of my responsibility is I work with Spiritual Leadership Asia. And uh, we uh, have not been able to get to the field since we started in 2019 because of the COVID uh, situation. And uh, so it's a great joy. I'm here uh, with Brother Naranjan Sundaraj and, uh, and uh, Brother Neil um, Moodley, who is out of, uh, out of Sydney, Australia. And uh, we are traveling the Philippines and we are having pastors meetings, lining folks up for our spiritual leadership conference that's actually gonna be uh, happening when this drops. So again, we'd appreciate your, your prayers for the conferences that's going on. But it's my joy to have Brother Paul Byers with me today. Yes, Brother, Brother Byers, we're grateful for you to join us in the conversation and I want to talk to you a little bit about your life and what God has allowed you to do in, in ministry. And so again, thank you for uh, taking the time to sit down with us. We're meeting on a Wednesday night just before your church service and uh, yesterday we had a pastor's meeting in regards to Spiritual Leadership Asia and so we want to thank you for coordinating that. So let's talk a little bit about your life and uh, where were you born and where were you raised? I was a from Texas, okay. Abilene, Texas okay. was my birth city, okay. and I was raised in Graham, Texas, and uh, North Central Texas, a small place, about ten thousand people. Okay, and when uh, so uh, obviously growing up in Texas, did you get saved there as a boy, or I did. Okay. Thirteen years old, okay. I trusted the Lord, baptized there okay. at the Morningside Baptist Church. Okay, and who was your pastor, Brother Buford Stonker? Okay, all right. And so I, I would take it that Brother Stockard was a, an influence in your life and uh, God used him in, in a way. Yes, sir. I, my parents started going there when I was seven years old. They got saved in a revival. And so that's on day one. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, youth activities, Wednesday night, everything that revolved around the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great way to be raised, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So. So you got you started attending when you were seven, and yeah. they didn't make a profession of faith till you're 13. So, Correct. So what did God use in your life to bring you to Himself? With it, well, of course, the Word of God. Sure. Yeah, okay. Just the preaching of Brother Stonkard. Mm -hmm. He was one of the old guys. Mm -hmm. I think he was uh, out of the Fort Worth seminar. Okay. Seminary there uh -huh. with uh -huh. uh, with J. Frank J. North. J. Frank North. Uh -huh. Yeah. So he was just there. Actually, John Rawlings is um, out of that church where it started. Oh, really? Back in, I forget when mm -hmm. uh, it started, but uh, at a mission work mm -hmm. there, sent out from Rawlings when he was in Central Texas. Yeah. Central Baptist in Tyler, Texas. Yeah, Tyler, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's quite a history for yes, sure. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. So uh, you got saved, and then at a point, you uh, God called you to missions. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you know, as most young people, uh, something, some things happen. I guess we'll talk more about the vision later, but mm -hmm. that was a big deal in my life as a young man in high school and junior high and into early years of secular college. Mm 
But the Lord got a hold of my heart when I was uh, like 19, 20 years old. And that's when I came back to church in Marsh Lane Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And another uh, stalwart preacher of the past um, there to Brother J.T. Lambert was mm -hmm. his name. And he was one of the old guys again. And mm -hmm. he's just preaching a God's word and mm -hmm. put, my, put my path on missions in my life, changed my life. So what were you studying prior to that? What was your ambition? Well, I, you know, I just started off with the business administration. Okay. had nothing else to do. Sure. Uh -huh. And then uh, I was directed to try some kind of a, a vocational course. So I took up, took up um, radio. Mm -hmm. And I worked in radio stations for a short period of time before I surrendered. Okay. All right. So then when you surrendered... Um, how did that work? I mean, did you, did you pull out of a secular college at that point and go right away to Bible college? Or? Well, I'd already graduated from the um, vocational school. Mm -hmm. I did one year in a secular school, mm -hmm. then vocational school, then was already working in a radio station when God called me. And from there, I went straight to Bible college. Okay. And you attended Baptist Bible College. That's correct. So what years were you there in Baptist Bible College in um, Springfield, Missouri? Started in uh, 71, graduated in 74. Okay. So you got, you finished just as I was getting there. So I didn't get there until <laughs> 75. So, but uh, anyway, that was, uh, those were some heydays in, oh, yeah. in, the, in Springfield, yeah. Missouri at the old Baptist Bible College. And uh, boy, you know, of course, uh, 1975 was the 25th anniversary. The school started in, in 1950. Yeah. And so uh, you and I were there, and of course, there were about 2,400 students on the campus. And Yeah, uh, that was the year I was accepted mm -hmm. in, in BBFI as a missionary, oh. so I was there. Okay, so 1975, yeah. Yes, sir. So when you surrendered to missions, uh, you missions major at the college. Yes. And did, then you went to serve someplace, an internship for before? So we did. Okay. We went to Galveston, Texas, Bible Baptist Church. Okay. And after that, we, um, after one year with that, then we came to BBFI, went through mm -hmm. the candidate school, okay. and then started on our deputation in uh, 75, was on the field in 76. Okay. So for our listeners, just so in case they're not familiar, the BBFI is Baptist Bible Fellowship International. It's their mission arm. And of course, when, when they started the college, they said, well, you know, this right arm of the fellowship needs to be a, a missions uh, side. And of course, they started a, a mission organization. And I suppose that, you know, uh, right next to BIMI, the BBF has been very, very uh, influential in throughout the world in sending missionaries. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, sir, I would. <clears throat> I don't know, you know, the ranking, how you would compare yeah. one to the other, but I know that both have done tremendous works mm -hmm. in the countries. Right. So you, uh, you started, you got approved as a missionary. And when we say approved, of course, the, the mission, uh, the fellowship doesn't send missionaries, but they approve missionaries. So they have that stamp of approval, and then they go to, throughout the fellowship churches and raising their support. Correct. So it took you about a year to do it back in those days, huh? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And so God had called you here to the Philippines, is that correct? Well, actually, we started off in American Samoa. Oh, okay. And uh, we spent uh, our first term there. Mm -hmm. We left uh, Samoa in 80, 81, I guess, basically. Mm -hmm. And then came to the Philippines in 82. So let's talk a little bit about that direction. So you're in a, in a mission field, and yet you sense that maybe you're not where God wants you to be, or God is redirecting your steps. Is that what? Yeah, you know, we were the, the first Baptist missionaries in the islands oh, really? to establish a church. Okay. And so it was... Um, uh, a unique place, and of course, American Samoa is a, is a unincorporated territory, mm -hmm. protectorate, mm -hmm. and uh, so we were there. And 
we had great great uh, fruit mm -hmm. there but my daughter uh, my oldest daughter mm -hmm. she developed uh, scoliosis like at seven years old mm. and uh, being in the islands uh, very primitive as far as their medical facilities etc mm -hmm. so it really drove us to look for another place that had the medical facilities that could take care of a, a young girl that was be needing uh, therapy and mm -hmm. operations etc so that's why God redirected us uh, to that place okay. the Philippines so you you started really a full-time mission work in 1977 is that correct uh, 76 we arrived oh, on the oh, field 76 okay all right so then you're uh, we're looking at uh, 46 years then is that correct uh, yeah, yeah they're about 46 46 yeah. going on 48 okay then, okay so you are in uh, a place called Tanza here uh, which is would this be considered Metro Manila we're right outside okay. uh, the Metro Manila Metroplex, but okay. we are considered province. Okay, so when we think about your work here, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about more about that, but um, would you, um, is this where you kind of landed to start with, or did you land someplace else? Uh, in, a, in a city here, we've spent all of our ministry in the Cavite province, but we started in Cavite City, mm -hmm. working with another BBF missionary, Brother Delbert Hoagie. Oh yeah, Brother Hoagie. Who had the School of Tomorrow, back mm -hmm. then it's called ACE. Uh -huh. Uh, but we came in and was helping him and to Bible college, mm -hmm. uh, training, et cetera, there, helping other mm -hmm. young men get some uh, established in mission works sure. as well. And we were there until 88. Okay. And then we had to go back and because my daughter needed surgery. So we went back to the States on a medical furlough. And our other second daughter developed scoliosis as well. So oh, wow. we had to spend some time there. We didn't make it back to the field until 95. So okay. Uh, we were off the missionary trail for about two years, but then we had to go back and raise our support again. Sure. But uh, the Lord didn't bless it all. It's, it's good, mm -hmm. and we're, we're glad for the experience. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about the work here. Um, you know, uh, you obviously have a, a thriving ministry, beautiful facilities God's given to you, and, and uh, uh, you bought this piece of property um, as a church. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. We, um, we came here. Uh, Back in the Philippines in 95, one of the young men that we were working with in the, the first ministry location, Cavite City, he had started a Bible study here in uh, 1994, and then we came in in 95 to help him, and for one year we were, we were together, and then he passed away suddenly from uh, being electrocuted accidentally mm. in 96, and so we took the work from there, uh, started about 25, 35 people at that point and then it just began to grow i think you know the lord you think how tragic to lose a young pastor with a young family but yet it really i think um, got the attention of the people and then we just started growing and never stopped mm -hmm. you know, from there uh, until we came we were looking for property and we saved all of our money and bought the property then saved all the money and started trying to build the building mm -hmm. So part of what's going on here in uh, the Philippines, and, and I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners will be familiar, but let's talk a little bit about what God is doing in the Philippines. And so as a young man growing up in a, in a BBFI church, Cleveland Baptist, Brother Thompson came out of Baptist Bible Fellowship. They didn't send him, but he graduated from the college and came to Cleveland and, of course, had an affinity. And we, we supported men like Boyd Lyons and Delbert Hoagie and folks coming to the Philippines. So the, the, those men came, some of them in the 50s and some of them in the 60s, 
And of course, their influence here in in the Philippines has been huge as they yes. they won people yeah. to Christ and trained them. Yeah. And now we have a, a, a bunch of really strong national-led churches in this country. But we're also seeing the Filipinos go other places. God is working through the Filipino people uh, across the face of the globe as missionaries. And, and you guys here in the Philippines started an organization called um, well, Asian Baptist Clearinghouse, right? right. It's, a, yes, it's, a, it's a fellowship or a type of a, a clearinghouse that clears money for Asian missionaries. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did that develop and, and what, what did God use to do, to do it's, that? It's a fantastic story, really. Okay. Yeah, actually, there was a, there was a, a man that uh, wanted to surrender for missions mm -hmm. back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name was Mariano. And he did. He, he went to Indonesia with the promise of we will support you. Mm -hmm. And these were even the American missionaries that were here mm -hmm. at that time that said, we're behind you, we'll take care of you. But back then, you know, the infrastructures, the banking system, everything was in, in its infancy as far as getting money from one place to the other. Right. But the guy went to in Indonesia and started a good work, and I've met some of his fruit mm -hmm. uh, even these many years later. But he, they, nobody supported him except Boyd Lyons was hmm. the only church that kept wow. supporting that family wow. until finally uh, the embassy, the Philippine embassy, had to rescue them and repatriate them hmm. back to the Philippines. And I, I, I heard, I wasn't around during that time, but I'd heard that many of the pastors said, see, I told you hmm. we can't support missions. We have too much work to do here, and we're too poor, and we're too little and we cannot do missions. Mm. And so for 20 years, uh, the mission vision died again mm. uh, in the Philippines until another young man that um, heard the story about Mother Mariano uh, failing, and he says, I've got to pick up that flag mm. and go. And so he surrendered for Indonesia, and he came to a, a very dear friend of ours, uh, Brother Lloyd Baker, sure. who's now in heaven. Yeah. But Brother Baker, he asked Brother Baker, I, God's called me to, the, to Indonesia. What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And he says, you go to Indonesia and confirm your call, and I will start organizing a clearinghouse. Because if we don't have a clearinghouse, uh, it'll, we will fail again. We need infrastructure to gather the, the money and send it in a, in a systematic way. He went and talked to Army Jasalva, Pastor Army Jasalva, Bible Baptist Church. Where Bob Sabu. Hughes had started that church, and Correct. Bob Hughes had won yeah. Brother Dr. Jasalva to Christ, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, Brother Brother Baker, of course, was a, a disciple uh, Jasalva in many ways mm -hmm. as well. But they were dear friends, and he says, you know, we need to start a clearinghouse. And J Brother Jasalva was the president at that time of BBFI Philippines, mm -hmm. and he says, I, I agree. You go do it. You start it and make it stand alone. Mm -hmm. So there's no political um, grabbing, mm -hmm. if you want to call it, you right. know that, or manipulation. Mm -hmm. He said, make it stand alone so that we don't get into fights. Right. <laughs> so very wise man. Yeah. And um, so for, that's where it started in 90, 19, um, a 2000, what is it? Uh, 94, I'm 94, sorry. Okay. In 94. Because mm -hmm. I came in 95 and Brother Baker said, will you come and help me? I'm going on furlough mm -hmm. and here's here's a ledger, here's a pencil, and here's some homemade <laughs> receipts. And uh, uh, you got it, buddy. And, and that's all there was, yeah. just a pencil and a piece of paper. Uh -huh. But money was starting to come in. Uh -huh. And we were 
sending it out to Brother Peter Ayon. And then uh, after that, people started surrendering, and they've surrendered every year since then, after the past 27 years, going on 28 years, until it's just uh, phenomenal what God has done mm -hmm. in the Filipino people mm -hmm. for foreign missions. Brother Baker says, he said, Brother Byers, I think if we get 25 missionaries, we'll, we have reached our potential wow. in the Philippines. And now we have uh, 223 wow. at present right now mm. that are using the, uh, the clearinghouse as a service center to help them. Mm -hmm. So it's phenomenal. And, and the, primarily the money that these people are being supported by is Filipino money, is that correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's uh, many countries around the world that are also catching the vision to send money. Mm -hmm. And so basically you can divide it up 60-40, mm -hmm. maybe 65-35, just depends upon uh, the giving of that particular year. We track all of that in statistics. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's, there's thousands of churches in the Philippines, mm -hmm. Baptist churches. Right. Not all of them are uh, on board. Uh, some of them, you know, still think I'm too little, too small. Mm -hmm. My 25 pesos won't make a difference, but it, it really does. Sure. And these missionaries are the greatest advertisers as they go from place to place all over the Philippines, raising support. Mm -hmm. And they get into Singapore, Hong Kong, other other countries as well. And, right. And uh, people are burdened, and they send money, and we process it, and no no charge to the to the missionary. Whatever is sent in for that missionary, we send it to him, and the clearinghouse operates on a faith-based basis as well. Mm -hmm. Trust the Lord to provide the means, and so far, he has absolutely done it in a phenom uh, phenomenal way. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, I take it you're beyond a pencil and a few pieces of paper, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. We have um, eight full-time staff, wow. and a CPA, and an IT guy. And we we need to hire another two mm -hmm. because we're fixing. We're going to be adding in 2023, maybe 40 new families, and next year, mm. which is a result of Matthew 8:39. Yeah, yeah. Or 938, 938, 938. Yeah. and yeah. pray that Lord, Lord, Lord of Harvest. So he's and he's been doing it. It's wow, just, uh, it's amazing. So, um, if some of our listeners or someone's listening and they would like to maybe be involved in helping to support the Clearinghouse, how would they get in touch with you? Well, if they're in the U.S., mm -hmm. then uh, we have a sister uh, Clearinghouse, which is the BBF Clearinghouse, mm -hmm. and they partner with us. Okay. They, anyone that sends money uh, to, their, to their system, mm -hmm. it gets dropped in the ABC account, okay. and there's no charges, okay. and they just send it all over at the end of the month with a total mm -hmm. list of where it came from, okay. who, where it okay. goes. and. So we partner together for, for that, and it's okay. all clear. So for those that are listening, I want to let you know that if you're interested in maybe helping uh, this particular ministry, specifically support uh, a clearinghouse that's helping Filipinos do what God has called them to do, um, you can reach out to the Baptist Bible Fellowship in Springfield, Missouri, and I'm sure if you contact them, they would be able to tell you how you could contribute if you'd like to help with that. So as we're thinking about these missionaries, um, can you kind of help our listeners to understand what the average Filipino missionary, how much money do they need, or how much money are they raising to go to the field on, on average? I'd say across the board, <clears throat> with the over 200 that we have, I would say that about $1,000 to $1,200 mm -hmm. uh, is, is what many of them uh, do their ministry on, take care of their family. Mm -hmm. Of course, Filipinos are 
are frugal. Mm -hmm. They know how to all get in a small place and live. That's mm -hmm. that's where they live here, mm -hmm. and they to eat the um, the normal food right. uh, like rice and a little vegetables and things. Which so they go to another third world country and they fit right in sure. with the people. Yeah, they blend. So uh, yeah. I, I, one of the things that has been, and one of the reasons spiritual leadership is partnering with ABC. So God has allowed us as a ministry to see what you guys are doing here. And uh, of course we want to impact the 1040 window and we see the Filipinos <laughs> are part of our key. So many of these men have left here, gone and established ministries and have won nationals to Christ. And so those nationals need support as well. And uh, so as they send them out, uh, Spiritual Leadership Asia tries to come alongside of some of these men with uh, not a lot of support, $50 a month. And so we're, I think we're now at about 60, 65 people that we're supporting every month through your organization. And so Correct. we want to say thank you for that. But it, one, of the, one of the things I want our listeners to know, while American missionaries are still essential because you're here, you're an American missionary, and you're doing a great job, and there are probably many, many others still here in the Philippines, the key to reaching the 1040, though, is the national. Would you agree with that? Yes, sir. Okay. They, they just blend in. Sure. So can, can you help our listeners understand that principle a little bit? Because I've had men say to me, well, I'm not interested in, in helping the national. Well, let's talk about why that's necessary. <clears throat> well, sure. I mean, well, number one, uh, to do a ministry anywhere with anyone, it, there's a cost factor. Sure. And these men, these nationals that have been led to the Lord by primarily Filipino missionaries that have been trained here in the Philippines, and most of them uh, under uh, churches that have been established by the American missionary years ago mm -hmm. that are the, the mainstay of the givers, the largest givers come from those churches that came out of the missionaries endeavors years ago sure but they go to the mission field they win these nationals to the Lord and they go out into their their people and they're poor mm -hmm. and if you're even in Vietnam Cambodia and Laos and Myanmar and Thailand and all these places that it's uh, they're back up in the hills mm -hmm. and they uh, have to grow grow a crop you know to, to grow some food for their families and and to try to sustain their ministries and things so it, to help them, even a little, a little fifty dollars a month. But yet, to them, it is it's a game changer many sure, times sure. in their financial situation. Yeah. And all of this goes through the missionaries that are already ser serviced by ABC. Mm -hmm. So there's the accountability right. factor as well that we can get in touch with them. They know where these sure. other nationals are. They write little letters back to them. Mm -hmm. Need to be translated into English, and you know, so. It's, it is a worthy endeavor sure. to try to be a blessing to these young men, young families that are just out there you know, living off the land, living in huts many times, mm -hmm. and winning people to Christ and training them to be soul winners. Sure. So when we think about you know, dollar amounts, you know, of course, to send an American family to the field, it's so much more expensive. And not that we would begrudge that in any stretch or form or uh, way or imagination. We certainly need uh, American missionaries. When we start talking about these nationals and where they're living on, some of them, some of these men that are won to Christ by the, uh, a Filipino, they're going to be living on $350, $500 a month or less. And, or less. Yeah. So again, dollar for dollar, you know, we're getting, we're getting a lot of what we could say bang for our dollars, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because we're, we're investing in these nationals who, are, again, have an ability to be able to um, uh, win their own people where because they can identify, right? So, 
Yeah, and they're so <clears throat> like in Myanmar, which mm -hmm. is in a, a country in great trouble. Right. But yet these nationals are way back up in the hills or back in the villages that a white man would have a hard time getting into. Sure. Uh, just with, even with the government. Or staying there yeah. at, at, at any point, yeah. Sure. So, and of course, then they, they're living on, on the level of the people. So they, again, the average person can identify yeah, with them. So, correct. Yeah. So, um, so we're getting ready, and, and while we're, this probably drops right during or just before the conference begins here, uh, Spiritual Leadership Conference. Can you talk a little to our folks about what that, that conference means to the, the Philippines and to the 1040 window? What, is, what does the Spiritual Leadership Conference mean to you folks? I think it's one of the um, uh, best additives to uh, a good formula mm -hmm. that is going on. Number one, the, the mission fervor of the Filipino people and the churches are at a high. Mm -hmm. And the missions conferences are well, strongly attended, uh, very well supported. Uh, people are surrendering uh, for either for the foreign field, local field, Bible colleges. It is still uh, the the place where God is doing His work is in the in the local church. Right. And when something comes in uh, subsidiary to that, like the Spiritual Leadership Asia Conference, uh, Filipinos love to fellowship. They love to hear preaching. They love God's word, and they love to be motivated. And there are many of those pastors that do get discouraged. Mm -hmm. And a, a meeting like this just to show shows what can be done what is being done and the nationals that come from other Asian countries that have never been to a meeting like this they've never seen mm -hmm. you know 10,000 people right. 5,000 <laughs> people in one place singing when they come from a restricted country where sure. they can't they can't gather together right. it just it just brings them back with a great burden sure. and we've had in the last three uh, conferences here in the Philippines or two two conferences here in the Philippines. We've had 10 people surrender for the foreign field wow. that we are aware of. And, and even nationals, I've just learned of one national that surrendered to be a, a pastor back in Thailand mm. uh, from being here in 2018. Wow. I hope to hear from him by recording soon. But those things is what really boosters and boost up the the life, the spiritual life sure. of the Filipino people. It's yeah. just a, such a great challenge and sure. uh, encouragement to everyone. So you're an American missionary. So what does it mean to you? Okay, we got the nationals. They're they're motivated, but how does that help an American missionary that's here? Well, you know, to me, it's like uh, just an opportunity to see more fruit, right? And just waiting for the fruit to drop, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you were praying for for missionaries, we're praying for pastors, and mm -hmm. we're praying for churches, yeah. and and to see them. So it's I'm like I'm I'm a prayer warrior that God's going to work in the hearts of, of the of the Filipino okay. people and yeah. work in our people. We're so excited to be a part of the the youth rallies coming up next year. Sure. And we hope to bring about 100 kids both nights mm -hmm. so that God can call from our young people here at our church a great harvest of people to surrender for Bible yeah. college or yeah. whatever God will have them to do. Sure. So we, we just know for myself as a, as a missionary, uh, it thrills my heart, it burdens me, it uh, in, encourages me that we're not alone in this fight and we got to do it together for yeah. Christ. Well, for our listeners, again, some of them would be familiar with this, but some of them would not. But our last conference, I think we had between six and 7,000 on the Thursday night 
there. And I have to tell you, I have never been in a meeting like that with that kind of spirit and attitude. And I've been a part of the independent Baptist movement since you know I can remember, I, and been through some great meetings. And but I've never been in a, an atmosphere. And part of it is we try to take all the politics out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and all the camps. And it's just like we're here to be try to be a blessing. We're here to preach the word of God. We're here to to motivate people. We're here to to do God's work to reach a world that's so needy. And, you know, you leave a place like that, you're all charged up. The 2018 conference changed my life. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing uh, for Spiritual Leadership Asia because uh, I knew God was changing the direction of my life, but it was, it was the meeting that confirmed hmm. what God wanted me to do the yeah, next wonderful. step. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be a part of it. But I want our, our listeners to be praying specifically as they listen to this. Pray for this meeting, if you would. Uh, the dates are February 28th to March the 2nd. So again, this will drop a little bit, a few, maybe a few days before the conference. So if you start praying, pray every day through March the 2nd for the conference that God would do just something great. We'd appreciate that. Brother Byers, I wanted to ask you, if yes, you don't sir. mind telling our folks a little bit about uh, a problem that you're dealing with, which is the loss of your sight. So that started a few years ago, is that correct? Well, actually, I mentioned earlier that I was saved when I was 13. Uh And uh, at the same year, that's when we discovered that there was something wrong Mm -hmm. with the vision. Mm -hmm. So in the same year, God gave me the biggest blessing. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I thought the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And of course, as it progressed, it's it's just retinitis pigmentosa. Many people are struck with this in in the stage where you lose your peripheral vision and get down to a tunnel vision and later the acuity is gone at my age mm-hmm. it's gone now and by the way how old are you i'm 72 72 and it's still uh, going strong oh yeah <laughs> I, I feel great and I, I hope i can make it till yeah. much much later yeah, right yes sir <laughs> but uh so i lost you know the, the vision loss was legally blind as a young man in high school very bitter very mm-hmm. angry i can't do this i can't do that uh-huh. a little bullying along the way and so I became uh, rebellious and angry at God and left the church, went out in the world for a while. But then, like I said, I, I got involved in a local independent Baptist church like I grew up in, and God brought me back to Him. Mm-hmm. And when I surrendered my life, I said, God, you know uh, what I am. What I, I, I don't feel good going across the street, but if you want me to go across the world, then here I am. You made me, and you can use me. Mm-hmm. So God took away all the bitterness and... Mm-hmm gave me the, um, uh, the opportunity to see that and this, is, this is not the biggest curse in my life. This is the biggest blessing mm-hmm. in my life because I've had to depend upon uh, Him right. to help me mm-hmm. and to guide me. And of course, many others as well, mm-hmm. my dear wife and other dear friends. And, but to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and say, I, I don't need to see your face, but I do want to see your heart. Right. I want to be able to, to sense the, the spirit of a man and the needs of a people uh, spiritually and to, to see and to God's face by faith, by faith, to see His face by faith makes a big difference in my life just to trust Him and know that He made me this way. I'm His tool. I'm created in His image. And if this is the way He wants me, I am tickled to death to serve Him in a capacity as a blind missionary. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 again, folks, uh, unless they, they come to your church would not know this, but you have a dear man who's your assistant who just, you know, he just is right there at your side. And uh, tell, tell the folks a little bit about him, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> Brother Paulin, I call him Brother P. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got saved in the Navy back in the um, 
uh, early 80s and he came to our church and wanted to go to Bible college and and so I, I let him come in in midterm in the year and helped him watched him and guided him and and then um, uh, he just began to develop and he even lost his family because he surrendered his Lord his life to the Lord but the wife said no I, I don't want God and if you got if you're choosing God then I'm choosing England so she left and deserted the family and He's been single ever since in the early early 80s in his life and raised his son. He's a faithful, faithful man. Mm -hmm. And he has chosen his ministry to uh, be my shadow right. and to guide me and help me and protect me mm, right. <laughs> from walking in the wrong way. Sure. So he's just a, a blessed, blessed man. Well, I wish people could see how devoted he is to you. and. Uh, again, God gives us what we need when, yeah. when we need it, and yeah. God has given you, Brother P, to be an encouragement and a help, and it's a blessing for me to see him being so devoted to, to help you in what God's called you to do. So for our folks that are, again, would be listening to this podcast, talk a little bit about it, the, the way, um, you know, it's difficult being a blind man trying to study Scripture and and prepare messages, but God's given you some abilities with some technology, and uh, you've done some research, and so you use some products or some things that kind of help you, right? Oh yeah, it's, you know, the accessibility tools on Apple devices, or even window devices, they're, yeah. they're all getting better and better. Sure. And it just, uh, if you learn the techniques, and I'm still learning, I got a big learning curve ahead of me, but uh, as long as you learn it, it, it works for you. Sure. And, and you just make it, you just adapt. Yeah. You just always adapt another way uh, to do what you used to do this way, then you find another way to do it that way. And right. So I love working. I do plumbing, I do electricity, I do really? building. <laughs> and it's just, a, you know, I install ceiling fans. You know, Seriously, just, without yeah, eyesight, that's yeah, amazing. Without, <laughs> just, because I've done it so many times, yeah, and yeah. I know what, what comes next. Yeah. And I just feel for everything. And then well, how, just, do you, how do you t tell the difference between like what's a, a negative and a positive when you're hooking <laughs> things up? <laughs> Hopefully it's not because of the shock factor. Yeah, it's, well, okay, it's got power. <laughs> Yeah, I just want our folks to know. Uh, if back, if you hear background noise, it's because we're in a, in a, in a brother uh, Byers Church, and it's Wednesday night. We're getting ready for church service, so there's just some folks milling around around here. So that's okay. Uh, we're not in a professional studio. We're just doing this recording as we're sitting in a little living compartment here at the the church. So, um, brother Byers, just if you would just kind of share your heart with our folks, and we're going to kind of wrap this up today. And you know, what what do you want folks to know about? Ministry. What do you want the folks to know about being a missionary, uh, serving the Lord? What, what can you? What would be your heart to tell them? Well, thank you. First of all, Brother Kevin, <clears throat> thank you so much for letting me have the opportunity yeah. to to speak and sure. to share my heart. And yeah. I'd hope that those who would hear this podcast would be encouraged in the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you have a difficulty that you're going through, if you're going through valleys or physical things of your life, I'm telling you for sure, God is with you. If you trust in Him, He'll never let you down. Amen. And you can depend upon Him. You can lean upon Him. And if you're leaning upon Him, you can't do much else than lean. Amen. But if you stop leaning, then you're, you're on your own. And so what I've learned in my life is to lean upon the Lord and uh, hope that I can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and can digest the Word of God in a way that I can keep it in my memory and the verses and to bring it back in a in a concise way for the 
feed the people, feed the sheep here. And it's such an honor to be a missionary in the Philippines. I can't think of a better people I would ever want to work for. I've told them you are a people for such a time as this. You are the gateway to the 1040 window. Amen. Our cry is from Asia to the world. And to be a part of that and to be a small part of that is, is such an honor. I'm torn between two lovers, being uh, a pastor of a Filipino church that loves the Lord and is growing and wants to do more and more. And then to be a part of the clearinghouse as the director and work with mentor of these so many uh, families now, and especially the MKs, missionary kids, so dear to my heart to see them grow up and, and help cry with them, laugh with them, go on the foreign field, be around with them. And that's, that's what I just love. I just love being around people. I love being around ministry. I love to see God work. And if God can use an old blind man, then uh, I, I'm all in. Amen. And it's all him and not me at all. And I, I, I prefer being in the shadows. I don't like to be out front. But wherever God puts me, I, I just want to serve him. And it's an honor to be a part of the church and even spiritual leadership Asia. It's way beyond my capabilities, but I am glad I'm part of of helping that to be, be a success. Yeah. Well, I, we want to say thank you for what you do. I, I obviously, um, you know, you and I. I think we. You didn't probably even see me, but I saw you first on a Zoom call, and uh, you know, we were doing some some uh, things with Spiritual Leadership Asia, and, and of course, I thought, you know, this is wonderful. Brother Byers is there. I had no idea that you could not see, and uh, and then we came to your church, and uh, yesterday we had a pastors meeting, and. And uh, this is, we're recording this in uh, late November. So today's November the 30th, but it won't drop until February into our podcast. But we had a, a pastor, we're, we're here, Brother Naranj and Sundaraj and myself are doing these pastor's meetings across the Philippines in getting ready for the Spiritual Leadership Conference. And it was just a delight to meet you and to be here with your folks. And I appreciate the opportunity to preach yesterday to the, to the men. And I'm looking forward to preaching to your folks tonight at this midweek service. So I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank you for your, your heart to serve the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of the great joys of, of being in ministry is getting to meet other people who are in ministry. And as part of my, you know, um, even as a pastor, I, I get to travel some and, and go to some mission fields. But now my new role is, uh, you know, North American Director of Spiritual Leadership at Asia. Our, our thought is that we'd like to get to Asia a couple times a year. And to meet folks like you, it's just been a joy to my life to know that there are oh, so many. Thank you, uh, Kevin. Yeah, so many folks out here just serving the Lord. And, uh, you know, the world may not know who we are, but God knows who we are. And he yeah. knows what we're doing. And, and He we can trust him to reward us according to his plan. Amen. And so thank you so very much. And so, uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining us for uh, this edition of Labors in the Harvest. Well, if this uh, this particular podcast has been a blessing to you, you know, feel free to drop us a note, uh, send us a text. You you can reach out to me through my website, kevinfolger.com, uh, or, or obviously uh, just reach out through Spiritual Leadership, uh, sl, uh, sl-asia.com. Uh, you can reach me through any of those means, and we'd be loved to chat with you or uh, help you in some way if we could. But please let other folks know about this podcast, and we're just grateful to be a labor in the Lord's harvest. And uh, as Matthew 9.38 says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. We're to pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth labors into his harvest. It's not our harvest, it's his. It's our joy to labor for him. Have a great day, and may God bless you.
Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you have been helped, we encourage you to subscribe and share this podcast. If you want more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time for another conversation between Kevin and his guests as they tell stories of being laborers in the harvest.